You are now listening to Enter VR, the podcast on all things virtual reality, and I'm Chris Miranda, your host. Um, thank you so much for joining me. Today is uh, an awesome conversation that I'm about to have with uh, Graham Gaylor and Jesse Joldry from VR Chat. These guys are pioneers. Um, for the uninitiated, really quick, uh, Graham, what's what's VR Chat? So VRChat is a platform for creating your own social content or virtual reality content. Um, so basically you can create your own 3D environments and explore them with other people inside of virtual reality um, very quickly. Awesome. And Jesse, uh, why did you create VRChat in the first place? Uh, again, for the uninitiated. Oh, that's an interesting story. Actually, Graham was the initial creator of VRChat. Oh, cool. um, but he caught on to some of the same things about virtual reality that I caught on to and, and other people have as well. But when you actually see another person in VR, um, something magical happens and the whole world around them becomes a real place and it becomes much more immersive and you actually get the ability to relate to that digital representation of a person so much better than in any other medium. And so as soon as we figured that out, um, I, I saw VR chat and I was like, you know what? There's other things that virtual reality needs as well. Um, besides this reaction to each other is, you know, custom content was the first thing I wanted to do. I wanted to cut, import my own avatar and I wanted to let other people port my own avatar. So, uh, I talked to Graham and he said, yeah, let's, uh, let's work on that. And the rest is history. Nice. Now let's start talking about the hard, the, I mean, the, the fun questions. <laughs> um, why, why did you guys start VR chat at the time that you started VR chat? Um, I mean, you, I, many people could say that you guys started very, very early in the game. Um, but what's your take? So for me, I mean, it was a, I mean, obviously it was very early in the VR days and we're still very early, but you know, there was this growing community around virtual reality. Everybody, everybody was very excited about the Kickstarter and, you know, the DK1 and, you know, the, the potential that it all held and, you know, everybody was talking about it online and on forums and everything and, you know, and, and all of our heads, I, I would think, is, you know, why why are we talking about this on the internet, you know, on forums and text, we should be talking about it inside of virtual reality. Um, so that was really, you know, what kind of it for me is, you know, I wanted to talk about it with other people, you know, in the medium that we were so excited about. Um, so that's what really sparked it. Hmm. Yeah. I was working in virtual reality already on some other projects, uh, and when when I started to work on this, it was mainly because you know I really thought that this, these features and stuff like that needed to be written, and that virtual reality needed to go in this direction. But then, shortly thereafter, was the uh, Facebook acquisition of Oculus, and then it's like, okay, well, we have one of the most social virtual reality applications available like when social and virtual reality are merging. And so we decided, you know, this is the time where we have to kind of make the decision to take this very seriously. Hmm. And that you did. Um, and now it's been, I mean, how old is VR chat at, at this point? Almost a year and a half since it was first publicly launched. Wow. January of uh, 14, that's, 2014. That's a good amount of time. How has your In community- this industry, yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, how has that like how how has your community evolved over time? You know, and especially, I'm sure you guys have been seeing something grow completely or more or less organic. Like, what's that like? Well, 
when we started, uh, social virtual reality was its own kind of unique thing, you know, and people would come in and they just wanted to socialize. Um, and that was, that was kind of enough to carry it. But really what the audience has turned into is people who want to socialize. Yes, certainly. But, but creators, creators are what make up our community now creators and the, and the people who want to see all the new creations and stuff like that. So we've got a lot of people right now who are building lots of great content, a lot of which, there's so much of which that I can't even keep track of it anymore. And that's that's what our community has evolved into, a place for people to create crazy stuff and uh, to experience it with each other. How are you allowing people to create? Can you talk more? Can, Graham, can you talk more about your tools or what it is that you're uh, you're giving people to create things with? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, all of our uh, customization for VRChat is done using the, the Unity engine. Uh, so all the tools that Unity provides um, are at your disposal, and anything you can build in there you can bring into VRChat uh, to an extent. We have an SDK um, that you can download and bring into your Unity project that basically gives you um, the ability to plug into our system. But really, if you build an environment in Unity the way you would normally would, you can bring that into VRChat if you br- import a model and add animations and um, you know, add whatever else you want to that uh, that 3D model. You can bring that into VRChat using our SDK and, um, and show it off to the world and share it with friends. Um, so those are the two big things are these avatars and environments. And um, on top of that is the uh, interaction in those environments. So, you know, it's one thing to bring in a static environment that you built or found online, but it's a whole other thing to be able to you know, build a racetrack with a race car and be able to race that car around or to watch a movie together or or build a, I don't know, a football stadium where people can go sit in the, sta- or sit in the stands and, and watch others actually play, um, you know, a game in the middle of the stadium. Um, so that's, I guess, our, our workflow right now. Yeah, and how are you, I mean, what is it in terms of user... Um, you know, user interface and also like a user experience. Like, what are you, what are you aiming for in terms of usability? Because I feel like uh, there's a there's a certain there's a certain set of people that are very comfortable with Unity. And when you release the, when you release this thing, or when VR Chat is out in the world amongst the consumer VR products, I wonder whether there is going to be that audience that is going to be substantial enough to be able to do Unity and then bring over their assets over to VR Chat. Are you thinking about a native solution in terms of um, allowing people to have a tool of creation? So we would like to have tools for customization. Mm-hmm. Um, for a kind of a, like an entry level user, um, right now it's hard for us to to do all those things as a as a small team. Mm. Um, but and so we're we're kind of concentrating on the enthusiast experience at least for the next few months. Um, but we would like to have uh, something that's a, a much easier to use solution. But every solution you do to the user generated content problem is a, is a trade off, mm-hmm. provided you are do a good solution. Uh, and implement it well, then you have either a simple solution with minimal power or a powerful solution that's complicated. Yeah. Right? And so because we, we're starting kind of in the middle complicated to high complicated, um, we do want to branch our experience out to the low end. But one thing we don't want to do is is rem- remove the features that allow people to build powerful and very highly interactive experiences on the top end. 
Mm. And, and so how do you incentivize, uh, how do you keep that incentive going to, you know, to, to keep creating, to keep sharing? Um, what are your strategies in, in terms of that? I would say we're at the very beginning of that. You know, right now, um, people are creating content because, you know, I guess if you look at Oculus Share, for instance, you know, people are creating these these VR tech demos, sometimes a little bit more than VR tech demos, and, um, you know, they want to share them with the world and see what people think. Um, and really, you know, the main place we've been doing that is putting it up on Oculus's website and hoping people download it. Um, and that's great, and it works. Um, but what's, you know, what's even cooler is to be able to build something like a, an interactive world in VR chat, you know, put it online in VR chat and then actually be able to walk through it with other people um, and see their reactions firsthand in real time. And, you know, that's a feeling, um, you know, seeing people, you know, enjoy your, your content that, you know, you yourself created um, and, and seeing it happen right in front of you is a pretty, a pretty cool thing to experience. Um, so right now, I feel that's the main reason people have been uh, building content. Um, in the future, um, you know, we would hope that people would be able to um, make a make, not make a living, but the same way that Second Life or, or other online um, worlds, you know, are enable their users to um, to make money creating content. Um, that's a potential option that we're considering in the future. Um, and there's a lot of other ideas we're brainstorming with that we haven't found one that we've fallen in love with quite yet. So for the time being, it's uh, people enjoy creating uh, things, and you know we do too. Nice. Um, so it sounds like all our all, all options are on the table since things are are still quite early. Um, considering, I mean, when do you think? You'll start making those tough decisions, um, you know, when consumer launch comes around. I mean, what when is a good time to start making, you know, the decision in terms of where to go um, for this? I don't think that any of those decisions will be made just like it's time to make the decision. I think it'll be a conversation that we have with uh, the more active community members to mm-hmm. see, like, hey, you know, is this something that you are interested interested in? Um, you know, if not, you know, what would what do you want to see? You know, what, why, why do you want to create content? You know, what, what's keeping you doing that? Um, so I think that it's more of a community thing and, and maybe even small scale, test some things out, see what works, what doesn't work. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a conversation to be had rather than a, uh, an authoritative decision. <laughs> Very cool. I like your style. Uh, coming out of left field, I have another question for you in terms of, um, you know, in, in terms of social VR, what is it about it? that you guys i mean because you guys are are the experts in it you've you've been in there more than most people on planet earth um and that and so i wonder what you've noticed um have you what what have you noticed any patterns in terms of what is it about social vr that really gets people um you know what are some discoveries that you've uh, have come to that you hadn't realized before some of the most interesting observations that i've had about it are just um, the kind of subconscious things that people do in social VR that they do in reality that they transfer into virtual reality without really thinking about it, like um, pacing or um, you know moving about when they speak. People people will sit at the keyboard, you know, for, and for no reason they'll kind of shift their weight back and forth with the A and D key on their keyboard, sh- shifting their character position back and forth while they speak, and like it's completely un- an unconscious behavior. 
and uh, and those types of things that that people do kind of naturally that that surprisingly translate into VR some of the best discoveries that I've had. No, it definitely in my my personal experience, public speaking in VR triggers the same flight or fight response from the amygdala that it would do in real life. I mean, um, I think VR chat was it that hosted the roast of Reverend Kyle a while ago, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, so I was yeah I got I got nervous and I and my <laughs> flight or flight response got triggered. Like I w- I had the same experience at the upload VR demo day event like two minutes before going up to do a pitch i took a massive massive almost religious dump and i felt so good after like uh, congratulations yeah and and, and, and it, it, that same sensation i was you know right before speaking in public i got it in vr chat right before you know quote-unquote roasting reverend kyle um, yeah we have some people who come in and they uh they're like kind of nervous to speak in real life and and some of them are able to some of them are totally able to come out of their shell in virtual reality and and the abstraction is just what they need to to really like assert themselves and share their opinions and stuff like that and some people it's not enough and uh, and uh and they choose to remain quiet uh but and then some people the people who are outgoing in general can be outgoing and in uh, in the different places, whether they uh, start nervous or not, so it's it, from a sociological or psychological study. I'm sure there's a wealth of great information here to see how people deal with like virtual situations as opposed to real ones. No, it, also in the context of the avatar, like how much an avatar body is changing your perception. Um, I I I wonder if you guys have noticed. Do people who have Hulk, Iron Man, badass avatars do they do they act differently, you know, in VR chat than in person? Um, you know, I, I wonder if 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 being uh, some sort of warrior avatar would make me feel more inclined to be in a violent VR experience. Whereas if I were a panda, then I just you know, subconsciously feel more cuddly. I don't. I don't know. I mean, do you think avatars will, would have that subconscious impact on on people's behaviors? Absolutely, I think they would. Um, I mean, I I've even tried on a few different avatars. Like I've got a, a somewhat tall kind of robotic fellow and a kind of dragon knight guy that I that I've worn on a few occasions, and they're. They're a lot of fun to wear, and you you do feel different. You feel tall, you feel powerful, and people because you've got head tracking, people are actually actually looking up at you, um, which actually led to a little bit of height inflation for a little while, where people's avatars were just kind of randomly getting taller from week to week, mm. and ca- kind of culminated in like a, about a five mile tall version of the Iron Giant showing up one time, and you could all you could barely see was his feet <laughs> sitting beside the island we were on. Um, but that's actually a lot of fun, and yeah, you do. Those things do feel good um, and different. Mm-hmm. I wonder if, in terms of like, um, I, because we humans, I, I, I think we have an inclination for, and I want to get your thoughts on this, Graham. I, I, and let me know if this theory is completely off. But I feel like this, sure. this, we humans, for them, some of us have this inclination to like. I don't know. They, they they call it keep up with the Joneses or or show off what we have. 
Um, and I wonder, like, you know, how are you, how are you planning on harnessing that, you know, human thing we do to show off, uh, you know, in VR? Like, how, how do I know whether some your avatar is better than mine? Is it is it height? Is it you know how big your avatar can be? In essence, what I'm asking is, you know, in the metaverse, what is going to be the dick measuring contest that we're <laughs> going to be seeing? Um, for VR chat, at least for right now, it's been, I mean, the, the relative coolness of your avatar is, I think, directly proportional to, you know, how many people, I mean, most, most things that people bring in are, are video game characters or are very recognizable, uh, figures. Um, and, and so that's, you know, one thing. The other thing is, is doing something different, um, that no one has seen before. Uh, so a lot of that comes into the, the interaction of these avatars is, you know, it's one thing to bring in a a Zelda avatar, but it's a whole other thing to add. Bring in a Zelda avatar that has a whole bunch of animations, is able to do rolls and swing their swords. Um, the other day, someone brought in a horse avatar, and someone could actually ride the horse. So mm-hmm. if I came in as a horse, you could sit on me, and we could walk around together. Um, and that was cool for the time being, but, you know, the next time someone brings in a horse and I can sit on them, I'm like, you know, that's cool, but it's not as cool as, you know, the last time we did it because it was new and innovative. And I think that'll be pushing... Um, at least for VR chat, it may be different for different, you know, style of metaverses. Um, but um, I think the new and innovative things that people are not used to seeing and, and say, hey, you know, I want that is what's going to at least drive the, as you call it, the, the dick contest, um, mm-hmm. the big dick contest in, in I, VR. I think there's another side of it, too, which is just kind of artistic quality. If somebody comes in with an avatar that has, that's created with a really great um, art style, or some, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. That 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 will get people around it, staring at it, and saying, "Oh my god, that looks so cool." Um, and more so than any kind of direct physical characteristic of of real life. Like if, if we if we measure things in real life by size, you know, that means nothing in virtual reality with custom avatars. So I, I don't I don't think there's going to be any direct parallel to that. But like if somebody came in with a Tron avatar that was all glowy in in all the right ways, you know that would get people's attention, mm-hmm. or or um, or just something completely. Yeah. Uh, we've had a, a one guy came in with some some really great shaders on their avatar that kind of like distorted the world around them, like the Predator um, stealth effect, right? And it's like that was a cool avatar, even though you could barely see it. It was like. And that's that's some really neat work, and a lot of people were checking it out. Right, that's awesome. Is there? Do you guys think there is a um, a business opportunity in all of this? In in avatar custom avatar creation, like um, you're going to see artists starting to pr- spr- sprout up and charging you know some rate if if you know in a consultancy fee for creating an avatar just for you. It's happened in other applications already, and it's actually happened in VR Chat already. Um, so a couple of our users really wanted great avatars that they couldn't build themselves, and I know they've paid some pretty good money to other community members to build an avatar that they wanted. And uh, you know, it's so that stuff is already there and already working, even though we haven't kind of done anything wow. to encourage it yet. Are you able to, and are you planning on having those transaction fee or the, those transactions at least uh, recorded so that you can show investors or show whoever, like, look, you know, we we we're enablers of a marketplace that is you know, creating three hundred transactions per month. I, I don't know. I mean, are you guys planning on doing something like that? 
I think that we do want to do something like that if that's something that the community wants. I mean, mm-hmm. Graham really hit it on the head earlier. Um, we don't really have a way easily to record all those transactions other than to go around and ask people, like, you know, have you heard of anyone doing this? Because, like, there's a lot of user-generated content now. There's, like I say, there's a lot of it that I don't even get to see because it's, it's online and open in times when I'm not around. Um, and so I, I, w- I would miss it. We are trying to trying to figure out exactly how many people are using avatars and stuff like that, and that we can measure, but we don't necessarily know if there's money transacted for it. Interesting. So let me ask you really quick about. Um, so there's so I'm noticing that there is social VR and on the desktop virtual reality experience, uh, Converge, AltSpace, VR Chat, um, but I'm wondering about the mobile space. Like, um, why is there no social VR uh, app on the mobile VR platform? Um, or am I missing something? Is there already something out there? What do you guys, what do you, what's your I take? Would, I'm not aware of anything that's really, that's chipped and final in that regard. But um, I wouldn't count on it to be that way forever. Certainly, I don't intend on letting it be that way forever. <laughs> um, but there are challenges, and I think those challenges are the reason that you haven't seen anything yet. It's like performance is a real issue. And like, so we support lots and lots of people in a room, right? But lots and lots of people in a room on a mobile platform gives a lot of challenges. And particularly, particular to us, our user-generated content, you know, if somebody builds a, a super high detail model, then that model might not perform well on mobile, we have some strategies for dealing with this, and hopefully we'll be able to share them with you sometime soon. <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> so you're saying so you can't so you're saying that user generated content is the biggest obstacle to having mobile social VR experiences for us. Okay. That's for us. Yeah, it's just because we concentrate on it so much. It's like it's all. It's not worth having a mobile platform that doesn't have access to our user-generated content solution because that's why people come to VR chat. Where do you guys think is the biggest biggest opportunity here? Do you think that um, the biggest opportunity in terms of uh, acquiring users and getting more people to try your experience, um, do you think that's in, it's, it's in desktop or is it in a mobile? I mean, if you had to choose one, obviously you want to be on both, but if you had to choose one, um, which one would you rather be on? For social VR, of course. Yeah, that is a that is a great question. I think it depends on your take on social VR. Like there's there's a few different takes out there now and some of them are more you know, uh some of them would work better on mobile and than others. Like right now I don't think ours Like I say, we we'd have to we have to technical solutions we have to get through before we can get on onto mobile. So if we can't do that, then I'd choose PC because it's feasible there but i'm pretty sure we can get over this and i really don't know which one's going to have the most adoption in the long term yeah i mean i think i think that's what it comes down to it's whether you know if you look at you know obviously the mobile phone market is much larger than the pc market but that may not stay true for vr um you know we don't know the numbers for gear sold versus what around two hundred thousand dk's um so, yeah, I think that the solution, the answer to this question in the short term and the long term, it could very well be different as well, mm-hmm. or even the medium term. Like, 
if if VR is going to be driven primarily by enthusiast gamers for a few years, then that's going to be a PC market. And in the long term, when it goes mass market, that could be a mobile market. But like, there, who, when's that transition? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's uh, that's a billion dollar question. I mean, yep. what what is it that you guys need as developers from the hardware providers, the mobile hardware providers? on their end for for you to be able to go full steam ahead and be able to create mobile social VR experiences? I think by and large, they've given us the minimum tool set that we need. I wouldn't, it wouldn't suck to have a good controller on there for sure, but we can work around it. Um, I think really what we, the only thing that the VR industry needs right now is um, Content and hardware. I mean, so- hardware and software. We need real launches of both. And a less buggy SDK on everybody. Yeah, that's not true. just not just Oculus, but you know, we're dealing with community problems. Uh, I, I played around with the Steam VR yesterday, and it, it worked well, but still not perfect. I, I think, and you know, we're all still figuring all of that out and trying to get it ready for consumer release. Yeah, I'm with you, Graham. I feel like uh, every new SDK that comes out, I feel like I'm taking two, two steps back. I'm actually, yeah, in terms of just being able to run apps, not even not even develop because shit, I, I can't do much. But like that's, uh, but the last SDK, and I gotta say, um, why is that? Why is it that? And this is probably a super easy question, but like because of the level of complexity involved but like why do you think it is that it's so hard to keep sdk stable for for the the development community you know both from valve and oculus all of them involved oh i don't blame them at all i mean Mm -hmm. i do not envy the stuff that they have to deal with in order to to get everything working uh, you know it's the other option for them is to say hey you know let's we want to keep this as backwards compatible as possible and then, you know, support all these things. And the problem is, and yes, it'll, it'll keep our, our stuff working, but at the same time, like at some point it's going to break and it's better to break it now when there's no consumers and it's, yes, it's a headache for us, but it's better to have a headache now than later. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it's really, it's all about, you know, now is the time to, you know, get things where we need them to be. And if it's, you know, a little bit of a, a pain in the butt to do it, then, then so be it. It's not worth spending the extra man hours to try and make everything uh work the way it used to when really the new way is going to be better okay so considering the the pattern of um innovation or iteration that we're currently in and i don't know if it's going to change much if consumer launch uh when consumer launch comes out i feel like you know we're still going to have buggy sdks through consumer launch because vr is so new it's it's just this evolving growing baby right and so you know seeing into looking into the future and i'm and I'm, i don't know if this is a question that is too early to ask but i wonder if you guys are thinking about what is going to be your contingency plan if uh all of a sudden you have a thousand or ten thousand users and you get an sdk that is coming out buggy and you know you're getting you know, it's it's bringing you down. I mean, what is a what is, what is a developer to do in that situation? Well, it's the vigorous release planning and branching of code bases. I mean, when when uh, when you, we transition into like a full live software thing, we'll just be a lot more diligent on keeping all of our code up to date and testing everything before we release it. So hopefully, when bugs are introduced. 
you know, we won't have to jump on that code right away and we can test it. And when we, if it turns up negative, then we can kind of hold it back, but keep developing on the old version. Nice. Can you guys give me more of an idea about your milestones? What is it that you're hoping to accomplish in the next couple of years um, for VRChat? In the next couple of years, what we'd really like to do is to grow with the market. You know, um, the I think the VR market is going to be, it's not going to be like an explosion of growth on day one. It's going to take a little while because until you actually put a headset on your head, you don't really understand what VR offers you. So, I mean, our milestones for the next couple of years are to keep lean, you know, not spend um, too much money, not go out of business and kind of track the market into, you know, into the, the phase of growth that a social product is really going to need in a couple of years down the line. Mm. Milestones for next month, though, is to give us a UI that doesn't suck. Right. Uh, it's going to be really good. <laughs> How many hours a week are you guys putting into the, your, your work so far? 50 or 60, probably. In- Graham? Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, kind of, I feel like the philosophy for most VR people at this point are the same as mine is basically work until someone bothers me to go do something like eat dinner or <laughs> be social or whatever. Otherwise, it's, it's, you know, it's fun work. It's, you know, we enjoy doing it and, you know, it's, we'd be doing it whether or not it was our full-time job. Mm-hmm. And, um, so it's, it's, you, you don't really want the hours when it, when it comes down to that. Right. Yep. Right. But I'm also, I'm also curious about, I mean, do you guys feel that there's, 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 you know, small lumps along the way or, or, or bumps? And, and if so, I mean, how do you get over the bumps, uh, you know, because I'm sure it's it's not. Um, I'm, I, but maybe it is. You know, what do you, what do you how do you guys deal with like, you know, things that are that trip you up, and how do you get back up? You mean like um, like just like the, the challenges of VR development and things that get us down? I'm you know like it, it, you guys as entrepreneurs, I'm sure you're aware of that things. Ninety-seven percent of things don't go as planned, and mm-hmm. so and so and, and and so dealing with that, uh, you know, being adaptable and also you know dealing with obstacles. Uh, does it ever get hard? Like, does it ever get be like? Do you ever you ever get to a point where like, fuck, you know, I, <laughs> this is this is really hard. <laughs> I didn't think it was gonna be this hard. Or or are you are you just enjoying yourselves? Like, tell tell me. Oh no, we definitely. I I shouldn't speak for Graham, but I definitely have tough days. You know, we uh, when things are delayed or you know a bug we have right now is preventing us from releasing a new version and has for a little while. That's that's a real bummer. But if you step back from what's happening right now and that thing, I think we're executing on a great plan, right? And so when I when I step back and take a look, I say, okay, yeah, this is. You know, this is my problem today, but um, a few months from now, after we get this thing and this thing done, I think that we're going to be in really great, uh, really great stead. Yeah. What about you, Graham? What do you think? Um, sorry, I spaced out for a second. What was the question? <laughs> so, yeah, no, no worries. Uh, how do you, like, I'm sure there's days when you struggle. Oh, yeah, tough days. How do you get, yeah, how do you get over them? 
Um, well, it helps a lot um, being in the middle of, uh, or you know, at least interacting with the community. Um, you know, I used to, I'm in San Francisco now, but I used to be in Houston. Um, and I basically just kind of work on my own and you know, build my own little developer world. Jesse would be on the other end of the Skype and we'd have a little bit of a, of a, uh, a community in, on Skype and you're just talking and complaining to each other. But it's really easy to kind of get caught up in your work and be like, you know, what am I doing with my life? You know, how is this going to be a thing? You know, there's so much uncertainty with uh, with you know, running your own your own thing, and especially in a new um, space such as VR. Um, but now, what you know, I like to do every once in a while is there's a ton of meetups going on around the world, and being in San Francisco, there's a ton out here. Um, so it's been really nice to occasionally just get out to one of those, and you see the enthusiasm and you know, how many people are interested in it. And you see it, and you're just like, how can this, you know, not take off? Um, I feel like I'm definitely one of the more pessimistic people. It's just like, there's so like, I could point out a billion things that could go wrong, um, but it always helps to, you know, see see others um, in real life or virtually, you know, just talking to people in VR chat and another social apps and on Skype and, um, you know, things like that really... Uh, get me through those those tougher times i suppose that's really smart man i um i dig that i dig that answer i dig your answer too jesse but i'm I'm, but i also find that meetups are really useful to keep your sanity yeah (laughs) yep no i like that too because they yeah they are um i i like the i like it feels like a shot of energy gets you know, every time you go out there and you are caught up by the momentum of the like-mindedness of all these other people, it's really cool. Um, and, and so, uh, is that you know, is that like the holy grail of experience that you're aiming for, Graham? When you go to meetups and when you're interacting with people, is that something that you're? Do you tell yourself like, this is what I want VR chat to be, um, or is there not even on your radar? What do you think? Oh, in terms of like real life meetups, comparatively, no, mm-hmm. it's, that's not something that I've really um, thought about. You know, with social VR, um, you know the, the the problem is right now the market's so small, and, and all all of our applications, even the the guys, you know, the high fidelities and the alt spaces are still very early um, in their development, and there's not really a ton to do there's no there's no uh you know social gameplay or what have you you know at least in second life you can go you know build your house and you know there's a whole marketplace and you know do whatever you need to do there um with all these apps there's not really a ton going on besides the social part so you know the biggest problem with creating a social app for anybody that's doing it is you know one of your users will or someone will, will find your app and they're now your user and they download it and pop online and okay well there's nothing there um, there's, there's no one, there's no one online, you know, maybe you have a single world like Converge or you have alt spaces with a couple of different spaces and they can pop around there. Mm. But ultimately if there's no one there, it's going to be a problem. So, you know, what everybody has kind of found, at least at this point is, Hey, you know, what, what's the solution? What's the quick and easy solution to this is, you know, hold events. Um, and you know, and that works. And if you have a specified time for people to come online, there's going to be a big group of people there and people are going to have a good time. But you know, depending on the application, that's uh, it's not. I mean, it is sustainable, but do you want it to be sustainable? If I, you know, for VR chat, you know, we get most of our users on Sundays and Tuesdays, and we have our big meetups and Gunter's show on Tuesday, which is actually going on tonight. Um, 
but that's not what we want the future of VR chat to be like. We don't want users to come on, you know, only for these events. We want people to come on to, you know, explore new content and build things together and, um, you know, be able to do things on their own. And, you know, yes, it'd be nice to have people there and hopefully there are always people online. Um, but, uh, that's kind of the, the things going on in my mind, not necessarily event based, although, you know, we, we love it to be a platform for events. So yeah, back yeah. To the original question, you know, it's, um, uh, going to a, a real life meetup is, is fun because I do like seeing like-minded people. Um, and I would use social VR for that, but I would like to, at least for VR chat, I wouldn't want to see it only used for that. Yeah, our vision is kind of like to let people have make VR be what they want it to be and so allow them to have the experiences they want. And that's mm-hmm. I mean, Gunther's show is a great example of that. And some other events that we've held in there are great examples of that. People want to get something out of VR and, and we'll we'll uh, provide a platform so they could do that. I think that like we we want lots of different experiences to complement those experiences. I think we definitely want the events and stuff like that to continue if that's what people want to do in VR. Right. And as many as many of these other activities as we possibly can and to support a larger audience. And and so like um talking about your you know the, the competition, I mean, like, can you elaborate more on you know, what is it that is setting you guys apart? Um, and then you already talked a little bit about how that sense of freedom that you're giving people, the ability to make VR what they want VR to be, that's, that's, I, I sense that's one of those key things. But, you know, what else are you guys bringing to the table that sets you apart from the, the pack? Well, we set ourselves apart from, like, a, a lot of virtual worlds by being a VR first virtual world. And obviously that's the, the kind of the lens that we all approach this from. Um, but if you're not building for VR first and you're building for a monitor first, then you're going to make some different decisions and you're not going to be as comfortable in VR. So, I mean, of the ones that are really, really VR centric, the alt space converge, um, Rift max and the, those ones like there, I think that we have, the, more of a focus on kind of customizing your avatar, like really allowing people to bring in whatever avatar they want with whatever animations they want, and customizing the the environment. I think that of these products, I think we have a, a really good solution to those uh, challenges. Very cool. Um, is there so is are you drawing the line at anything in terms of content, Jesse and, and Graham? Are you guys drawing it? Like, um, can I have my own sex dungeon room in VR chat and have all sorts of uh, um, animal sex, you know, rabbit on horse? Because horse it's a custom peacock, custom content platform, it's actually really difficult to prevent that. Mm. What, we, what we really want to do is we want to have a safe place for people to visit um, without really limiting people's freedoms also. Um, what we'd like to have is good moderator controls and stuff like that. And if, if you're going to build something that, that is, you know, risque in any way and, or so that somebody might find offensive, then we want to give you the ability to flag it and say, yeah, you know, this isn't for everybody. Um, or to password your room so that only people you invite in can, can go. And we also want to give other users the ability to say, you know, I, I don't want to see that stuff, and so I don't have to. Um, but it's a user-generated platform, and, you know, 
people who've been making that stuff as long as they've been building user generated content. Right. Um, so we couldn't stop it, but we just wanted to have a safe place for people to be too. Cool. Um, let me ask you another question, another fun one. What's your take on, um, you know, so I have this notion and I might be completely wrong, but what you guys are creating um, will be very, very juicy real estate for advertisers maybe in the future. Um, you know, I, I have a I have the sense that, you know, sometime four or five years from now, every interaction that I that I am part of inside the metaverse will be tracked, and <laughs> will be you know, and and some some you know some algorithm will feed that information to an advertiser that will send me you know uh, ads about socks or underwear, or whatever. I mean, <laughs> what, are you guys? With VR chat, are you guys intending on selling user information if it ever gets to that point? Or what's your take on this whole That's monetization? Never something avenue? we've planned to this point. Okay. No. Um I I mean part of this the reason we're doing this is is a little bit of you know, it is a, a place to be free. It is a, a place to, to do what you want. Um and it's never occurred to us to this point to sell that kind of data. No. I like your style. <laughs> um, tell me more about yourself. What are you doing these days for fun? Like, all right, you're having, you're developing, you're creating. I'm sure you're having fun yep. developing, but what are you doing to kick back and just like enjoy life a little bit? I actually took my car to the track for the first time a couple of weeks back. Oh, that's cool. What kind of car you got? Um, I have a, uh, a Chevy Camaro. Ooh. It's uh yeah, that was a lot of fun. They they set up they have a, like a square kilometer of pavement and they set up cone tracks and you you go out there with a bunch of other people and go around the track as fast as you can. That's cool. Are you like good at it, Jesse, or how long have you been doing it now? <laughs> I haven't been doing it that long actually. It's a relatively new hobby. Um so I mean whatever whatever good I I was, I can I can credit to the car more than myself. Cool. Can you like can you drift? Can you like can you do one of those? You totally so- can. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, dude. it's it's pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. Each, you- each run is lasting about thirty five seconds or something like that. So like you don't get like each one isn't a long long time, but it's really intense and. Yeah, you can totally get the back around. That's awesome. Have you played a Zeto Corsa uh, with the DK2 and then tried to like cross-train yourself from VR over to the, the, the racetrack? I finally download, bought and downloaded a Zeto Corsa, but I haven't actually plugged it in yet. Okay. Well, let me know if you are able to have some of that you know, VR training, simulation training. Uh, if, you're, if you're cutting down your lap times, thanks to VR, let me know. You bet. Uh, <laughs> what's up with you, Graham? What are you up to these days for fun? So I'm would consider myself still pretty uh, pretty new to the San Francisco area. I've been here about five months, so I've been. We need to fucking kick it, man. I'm not <laughs> even lying. I are you here? Yeah, yeah. Why aren't we hanging out? Are you all right? We, we'll figure this out through the podcast. But yeah, continue, please. <laughs> awesome. um, so most of my time has been just exploring uh, the different areas, and you know, usually the weather is pretty nice. So getting outside has been. Uh, pretty pleasant um so that's what you know finding new places to hang out i like all the parks here you know finding good food mm. um going bike shopping this weekend which is pretty exciting Ooh, uh, what kind of bike i don't really know my roommate's a big biker and i, and I just want something that can get me around the city okay. um 
So I imagine it's some kind of street bike, but you know, I've got a hard limit on cash, and it's like, well, I just want to be able to get places, and there's a hill up to my house, so I want to be able to get up the hill without killing myself. Look up uh, refried bicycles on 17th and Sanchez. They sell some really chill, <laughs> reused, vintage road bikes. You're gonna like, I think. I got refried bicycles. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, have to put that in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I swear I am not being sponsored at all by anybody. <laughs> this podcast is not at all sponsored by. No- but, but yeah, Refried Bicycle is a really good spot. Um, and let their website's really helpful. Have, have you ever thought about doing one of those naked bicycle rides that they do in the city? Do you? Is that just where you ride around and you're naked? Yeah, if you do it, I'll do it, man. <laughs> You know, I have to buy the bike first. Okay. And then you, it'll take a one step at a time. Okay. So, okay. See, uh, <laughs> see how comfortable I am on the bike. <laughs> Before uh, you try biking commando. Eh? Yes. Right, exactly. And the last thing we want is, you know, falling off the bike naked. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. That's no fun. <laughs> Oh man, you know the, the the lovely thing about podcasts is like you you're letting the audience take their imagination everywhere, and so <laughs> and right now all I can imagine is just Graham naked on a bicycle. I'm sorry, Graham, I can't I get that out of my head. And I it's, and, it's okay. A lot of people do like a picture of me naked. So. <laughs> I, I'm biking naked right now. That's a... <laughs> See, he's on his Bluetooth. He's just actually going for a, a nice little stroll. Um, dude, how's the weather in uh, Vancouver, Jesse? It has been really uh, awesome, actually. We've had such a such a warm summer. I mean, we actually have a bit of a drought like California, but mm-hmm. it's not as bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's been a really, really warm year the whole year long. Hey, do you guys get hit by El Nino every 10 years also? Um, I'm expecting the, the the big one this year, yeah. 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 Apparently, everyone here is like tripping out about the next the next El Nino coming out this fall, this, yeah. this winter. Are you ready for it, Graham? <clears throat> Um, I'm not familiar with El Nino. It's this massive mega storm, tropical water, rain system that hits every 10 years. Yeah. Um, so mm, brace yourself for the clusterfuck that that's going to create. Because when does that come? Sometime in the fall that, I mean, you know, there's a good chance that this year is going to be a big one because of how warm the Pacific Ocean has been over the past few months. Um, Hmm. So yeah, brace yourself. San Francisco people are not are not very good at driving in the rain. So there's going to be a massive clusterfuck. Yeah, that's the one nice thing about working from home is if I need to stay away from the city where things are happening, where potholes are opening up and eating people in cars, I can just stay here. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a good call. And not only that, but you can do like naked yoga and stuff and the breathing exercises. Have you, of speak- course, yeah, I could do it naked because it's raining. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Logic is flawless there. But speaking of yoga, um, have you guys... So I've gone... I started getting into this thing called... Um, you know, where I, I watched this documentary on Vice... The, about this guy called Wim Hof, the Iceman. Have you heard of this guy? No. This dude is insane. He's like, I think he's from Poland or from the Netherlands. I'm not sure. But he is this dude who goes and breaks world records um, by dumping themse- himself into ice, uh, diving into like ice pools for, you know, holding his breath underwater. Hmm. And it's all because he trains himself 
in icy conditions and he also trains himself to breathe um by like by a like he i guess he adopted this breathing technique from these tibetan monks and so i started imitating this breathing technique where you like you inhale and then you exhale through your mouth without you know without releasing all your breath and you keep doing that continuously and holy shit like there's something happening (laughs) like you get a little and it's not like i don't know if it's oxygen flooding my brain but it's a weird effect of lucidity that you get after. I don't know. You guys should experiment for science. I'm just bringing this up. It's <laughs> actually pretty cool. Um, get yourself high on breathing. I don't know. Oxygen is supposed to have that effect, I believe, if you get uh, enough of it. Yeah. Um, have you guys ever been like? Uh, <laughs> have you guys ever been into like a, a state of hyperventilation? And I don't know if it's the same thing. I, I I've been in a state of hyperventilation before, and what this. This is a lot more controlled. It's a lot. I don't know. It's more. It's more peaceful. I don't know. So I had one. I had a headache, a really bad migraine one time, and I couldn't sit still at all. And I was like tossing and turning in bed, and I managed to hyperventilate myself to the point that like uh, the some of my fingers and toes went numb. So yeah, it was a good time. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> It's completely unintentional, but there was I couldn't stop either, you know. So what did you do? Oh, eventually, like I medicated, you know, took some uh, Advil, really, just Advil, and uh, and then you know enough time passed and the headache went away and finally got some sleep. Yeah, that's crazy. Oh, it was really bad. Here's the thing, Graham. How's your cardio? I mean, I'm talking about breathing, but you know. I know your style. I know you work out. You know what's your what's your cardio like? Um, well, I live pretty close to Golden Gate Park, so that's been a great uh, area for running and mm-hmm. a good way to explore it too. Is run through there. Mm-hmm. Um, so do that a little bit, and I don't do any strange breathing things. Um, <laughs> but that's just because I didn't know about them. You know, now <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna hold my breath when I run and see what happens. Then, then, uh, well, okay, so this is what we're gonna do. <laughs> we're gonna we get, remind me when you get your bike. We're gonna go riding around the city, holding our breath or breathing weirdly. Okay. <laughs> Um, it sounds good. It's I'm totally to safe. Wear, I'm have to wear some like elbow and knee pads or something. You'll be totally fine. Yeah. Uh, okay. Good. I trust you. And bring a condom. <laughs> you never know. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so here's the other thing I was going to bring up. Um, wow. What was I going to bring up? Breathing. Breathing. Going back to breathing. You know the reason why. I started liking this was it feels like um, it feels like I haven't had the chance to like it feels like we neglect our ability to breathe, you know, as humans after a while. Like it just it's just an God, autopilot. Chris, you're so weird. <laughs> yeah, dude, I've been thinking about well, breathing a lot lately. <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting you say that because I think every generation when they hit a certain point starts to think about that stuff like like every generation kind of says well you know what yoga really had something mm-hmm. you know maybe when they hit around 30 or something like that or well you know these these breathing things are are kind of neat and uh, there totally is something to it it's just that we i think we're kind of blind to it at, until until we're ready to accept it yeah yeah, you know, I was at, uh, I, I feel like that's the same thing that also happened with like drinking water. Um, mm-hmm. It took yep. me a kidney stone, two kidney stones to realize, oh, oh water is important. I should have some. <laughs> <laughs> um, hard, hard lessons. Oh, I, I, I'm 
Apparently, I'm going right after this call and going and get some water. Yeah, <laughs> yes, that is very necessary. Make sure you're drinking lots well, of water. Well, Jesse's the kind of guy that will work and then forget to eat. Like <laughs> I, I lived with him for a month, and like I had to bug him. I was like, dude, we haven't eaten all day. I don't know how you're still alive, but I. <laughs> that is hard for me to under- understand. How is it that there's people like you, Jesse, who can like doesn't your brain require 25% of your energy like where is your en- your brain drawing energy from if you're not eating like how does how do people like you do it like what's your secret uh caffeine okay. uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the short answer but no i mean i i eat um okay. no I, I not like graham is right you know that i don't i don't maintain a good schedule with it and stuff like that and, um or eat regularly but you know I don't know. I think it's just different people have different physiology in that in that regard. Yeah, yeah, no, that's for sure. Um, and you, are you happy with your physiology at least? Yeah, okay. yeah, that's yeah. what counts. That's what matters. Right. Slim enough fellow, and you know, I I could get back on the bike actually, or the or rather the the treadmill. Mm-hmm. Uh, on a little hiatus here, but <laughs> no judgment, man. No worries. Yeah. Dudes, before I uh, before I go, what's your favorite foods uh, of all time? I'll start with Graham. What's your favorite food of all time? Uh, I really like peanut butter. <laughs> um, that was really random. <laughs> but but I mean that's just because I get a lot of it and things. So I get smoothies with peanut butter in them. Mm. Um, recently got into uh, what are they called? Crumpets. I went to the store looking for them. Um, for English muffins because I like to have English muffins for breakfast and they didn't have any so they only had crumpets so I bought them and they were pretty good I put some peanut butter on them and of course it made it even better um, but sushi is also good uh, I like hamburgers chicken what's the weirdest thing you've ever put peanut butter on and don't be afraid to be sexual have not tried that quite yet okay. uh, my my put it on my list of things to do it's on the list. Um, <laughs> two great tastes <laughs> combined <laughs> to create something epic yeah i'll have to bring that up in a conversation with my girlfriend sometime mm-hmm. and see uh, what we think of that um but the strangest thing i don't know burgers with uh with peanut butter are i think that's a, that's a thing and i've had it before and it's been Me fine too. um i don't know I don't think I'm putting on anything like super weird. Okay. I don't know. I'm sorry to disappoint. No, no worries. No worries. Um, Ooh, uh, I did just get some peanut butter powder though. What? Um, okay. I don't know. Is that That's target? a little weird. Peanut butter powder. <laughs> Explain. Snorting it. Uh, <laughs> what is the use of peanut butter powder? This is the first not, time I ever hear of this. I'm not entirely certain. I've been putting it in smoothies. Okay. Um, but I'm not really sure what you're supposed to use it for, but it was at Target and... It uh, makes my smoothies taste a little bit more peanut buttery, I guess. Like a sugar it. replacement, maybe? It could be a could it be a sugar replacement? I, I think it's just like ground up peanuts <laughs> with with some a little bit of sugar and whatever else is in peanut butter. Dude, I dig it. I don't have peanut allergies, so I'm yeah. in. What about you, yes. Jesse? What's your favorite food of all time? About a decade ago, I found this uh, Shaolin Noodle House. It's called, and they do this uh, curry noodle dish they make the noodles behind glass there when you order them mm-hmm. and it's curried with pork and they fry it up and it's like just incredible and then like they moved and i couldn't find them for like five years and i just rediscovered them lately so right now whenever i'm looking for the best food ever that's where i go 
Oh wow, that must have been an amazing moment when you first rediscovered them. Must have been. Oh, like, it was like being reconnected with your lost dog or something. It, well, you had that last minute hesitation. Is like, is this going to be as good as I remember it? Uh-huh. And it was. So yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Cool. What's the name of the restaurant so that people can go look it up in Vancouver? It, it's called the Shaolin Noodle House. It's by. Uh, it's near Camby and Broadway. Okay. Cool. Shaolin Noodle House near Camby and Broadway. Uh, please sponsor this podcast if you're listening. <laughs> just kidding. Um, or VR chat for that matter. Or VR chat. <laughs> we'll build them a room. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I, I'm sure. I'm sure you can get a business opportunity out of that. I don't know if you'll get a lot of money from that business opportunity, but it'll be a business opportunity nonetheless. Yep. Um, gentlemen, you guys have been true scholars and saviors of virtual reality. Uh, Self as well. I'm just, I just do, I just, I'm just having fun, guys. Uh, so <laughs> th- let me know how can people stay in touch and how can people follow up what you're, what you're up to. Well, our website's at vrchat.net. They can go there. They can sign up. They can download the client. Um, uh, they can get me. Uh, I'm at Jesse Jodry on Twitter. I'm Jesse at vrchat.net and Graham. Um. Our VR chat Twitter, I think, is VR chat net. I don't know if you mentioned that. Nope. Um, so that's that's pretty cool. Um, VR chat.net's our website. Um, we've got our our meetups uh, Sunday at I think it's three p- three p.m. Pacific now, mm-hmm. and then Tuesday nights um, Gunter show at uh, seven p.m. Uh, Pacific. Very nice. Um, and lastly, you will both be partying at the beach house this year. I'm hoping. Oh, we'll be there for the party. You yes. betcha. Okay, so it's on like Donkey Kong, gentlemen. Again, you guys are scholars and gentlemen of virtual reality. Thanks, thanks again for your time. No problem. Yeah, you too.